Good morning, everyone. Of the addresses that have been given this week on the pathway of prayer, this one today is the most difficult. Chiefly because it is the most sensitive. Now, how you pray in private, nobody else knows but yourself. And any words of mine about private prayer will be applied or not applied according to how you feel and how you are convicted. But with public prayer, it is it's different. Others know how you pray in public, and uh, any words of mine which might comment on public prayer could appear to be they could appear to be commenting on your way of doing it. You see, immediately I am in danger. I'm in danger of offending somebody. And of course, that's the very last thing I want to do. I mean, it would grieve me greatly if anything I said today about public prayer um, seemed to you that I'm getting at somebody. That would grieve me very much. But when you think about it, it couldn't be so, could it? Because these uh, notes were prepared in England before I came here. So, I didn't know how you were going to pray in public and my comments therefore are addressed to nobody um, but to everybody. So on to try to understand that. If you feel uh, that what I say about public prayer you disagree with me, alright, have no fear. And uh, don't be offended uh, if you find that what I say isn't what you think, think to be true. Now if we are to look at public prayer we have to look at it critically and after all we're all in the same boat so to speak and uh, we have the same faith and uh, we, we want the same end result don't we all of us now you'll notice in the title there was this little phrase included and personal preference and that was put there to stress the point that you cannot provide a straitjacket into which public prayer has to be fitted how we pray represents our own personality and that I believe to be first class and it should be given full opportunity to be manifested <coughs> we may find there is a straight jacket and if there is it's likely to be not personality but tradition but we shall see how things emerge for the president as we go along first of all there is a kind of public praying which I would like to consider at this stage and that is when people gather together in uh, one place especially for prayer we have done this at the Ecclesia at Oxford from time to time when we felt a particular need to pray about a special subject or for a special purpose now the words of the gospel that relate to this kind of public praying are to be found in Matthew 18 verses 19 to 20 and I'd like you to have a look if you wouldn't mind Matthew 18 verses 19 and 20 alright Matthew 18 verses 19 and 20 again I say unto you that if two of you shall agree upon earth as touching anything that they shall ask it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. I know they're well-known words, 
Notice that although one method, the private method, when we were talking about private fare, it demanded isolation, this method calls for the opposite, it calls for fellowship. Notice very carefully the conditions. The king did not say where two or three assemble and pray on the basis of their own desire. Not that at all. Every word is important. Where two or three are gathered together in my name. And the word gathered is the significant <coughs> word. It's not the same as meeting together. It's not the same as assembling. Gathered implies that there is a central force which attracts things from the circumference to the centre. The king is the gatherer. Those who come together have been drawn um, by him because they've been illuminated by his word, they've been impulsed by his love, and in the deep recesses of their life they are seeking to do his will. And the king says, where these conditions exist, there he is in the midst, in the very centre, not hovering at the circumference, in the very centre. He is the centripetal force which holds them together. They are gathered. And if, in the spiritual sense, he is at the centre of that little company, it means, in fact, that he is enthroned, he is obeyed, he is consulted, and therefore the prayer should be in harmony with uh, his teaching, and therefore in accordance with God's will. And uh, so the promise that he made becomes possible and it becomes credible. Of course, the answer, as we've already thought, is it's assured, but whether it comes in the way we would have expected or at the time we desired, we've already thought about that under the heading of unanswered prayer. Now, according to the king then, in this passage, there are limitations upon prayer, but the limitation is not on the things um, about which we may pray, but upon our own condition and the purpose and spirit in which we make our petitions. Of course, the truth is that uh, some people find this kind of public prayer quite helpful, even inspiring, and others find it just the opposite. That's my experience. Some like it, some dislike it. Um, you know, if you call it a prayer meeting, you pretty well sabotaged it to start with, if you call it a prayer meeting. But... Uh, I say, in, in our ecclesia, we do gather together. If somebody's grievously ill, or some serious decision has to be made, or some important problem has to be faced, the ecclesia comes together. Uh, we hope, drawn together by its Lord, to pray together and seek God's help and blessing. But I say, some people like it, some do not. So it just shows that personal preference is a real factor and it cannot be discounted. Experience has taught me that this kind of public prayer has to be organised very carefully indeed else it will fail. Well, that's all I want to say about that particular side of public prayer. Let's come now to public prayer in practice. There is a real difference, of course, between private prayer and public prayer and Chiefly the difference is this, private prayer is communication between an individual disciple and his heavenly father or her heavenly father, whereas public prayer is communication between an individual disciple and his brethren and sisters and then with God. In other words, in a real and genuine sense, the prayer is that of a company of people together expressed 
by their representative. It is a public prayer because they are all praying together through the voice of their chosen spokesman. He speaks for all to the Father in heaven through the advocate Jesus Christ. And it follows therefore that what he, what he uh, speaks for all must or should have the effect of expressing the minds and the feelings and the hearts of all those on whose behalf he prays. And therefore the prayer as far as possible should be inspirational. It is intended to move others, um, to move others who stand with him with bowed heads and hushed spirits, so that they can all, in truth, feel genuinely attached to the words which have been offered. Now, in private prayer, the words may be faltering and uh, ordinary and commonplace and even badly expressed. And as we've, I think, said already, it, it doesn't matter. God does not require eloquence in private prayer it doesn't matter <coughs> groanings doesn't matter but in public prayer it is different as well as expressing the heart to God it has the purpose the objective of inspiring the congregation who are assembled in Christ's name therefore it does require care in the expression of the ideas which are presented in the prayer moving phrases properly expressed are better than ill-defined phrases expressed in a modelled way. Directness and simplicity are better than ambiguity and verbosity. If the one appointed has sufficient notice to do so, there is nothing wrong, of course, in composing his prayer carefully in his own mind. Because it's been thought out carefully before, does not make it one whit less sincere. If necessary for presiding brethren, it can be written out. I would much prefer pre I would much prefer a prayer properly prepared and written out than a prayer ill prepared, badly expressed and out of sympathy with the occasion. If possible, it's better to avoid stereotyped phrases and outmoded sentences if you can. They have a way of um, robbing the prayer of its impact and its inspiration. Nor should it be a kind of lecture to those who are in the congregation. Sometimes public prayers are addressed to the congregation as a kind of exhortation or to add a few minutes to the lecture or to give warning or advice to the unbelievers present or even to give a lecture to God himself. Some prayers are like a lecture to God telling him what he's told us in a way which seems to suggest he might have forgotten his own word. Quoting scripture in prayer of course can be very moving indeed. But even that can be overdone. So that it becomes a kind of a recital of passages and, and tends to be a demonstration of the prayer's marvellous memory. It's my opinion that very often Christadelphian prayers, and this is a generalisation, and usually I'm sick to death with generalisations, but um, this is a generalisation, of course, but my impression is that very often Christadelphian public prayers are too long. There seems to be an idea that unless a prayer is fairly long, it's no good. In fairness, I must say that this is not a fault of my ecclesia in Oxford. Um, our, our brethren there do not fall into this error, but I've noticed that sometimes when we have visiting brethren come to us, um, they often are much longer in their prayers than their own brethren. They are just saying, passing for the president, I haven't noticed it here. I didn't notice the prayers were too long here, so may I reassure you. 
I mean a good a good prayer can be spoilt when it goes on too long when it repeats itself several times and when the sentences are discerned as like padding to, to run it out longer how often have you heard the same thing in a prayer repeated several times as though God needed to be pestered or so the audience um, might forget what's been said I mean in an address repetition is valuable and very useful but in a prayer it's not I mean a prayer is not an address or at least it shouldn't be long prayers tend to weary people in the congregation who are elderly and find standing difficult and distracting and it spoils the prayer for them because the weariness intrudes into their consciousness and, 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 and they lose their concentration I don't know whether you ever heard this story it was this story brother president you'll appreciate this when you hear it it occurred in Lancashire in the northwest of England and uh, it, it was like this that it's the story of a man in a meeting brother in a meeting who made a very long prayer and he quoted many passages passage after passage went through the Bible quoting passages and eventually he arrived at Hebrews chapter 11 and quoted and what more shall we say <laughs> and, and, a, and a weary voice in the congregation said say no more but amen <laughs> Now look, it, it may not be true, but if it was true, I can understand why. <laughs> Very well then, I'm now, I'm now going to give you an example of a, a prayer. I've written it out and so I'm going to read it. And I won't comment on it until afterwards, but I want you to listen to it carefully in the light of what I've said already. You must be patient while I read it. O great and eternal Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. We thank thee that thou hast allowed us to come together once more to show to our friends and neighbours the great things which thou hast promised in thy word and which thou hast magnified above thy name and which thou hast vouchsafed to us thy servants. We thank thee that thou hast called us out of darkness into marvellous light. We rejoice that we are not as the world is in darkness and sin, and we thank thee that thou hast called us to understanding thy will and to separate us from the things which are worldly and ungodly grant that those who have turned in tonight to hear thy word and who have not yet responded to the gospel may not much longer delay their decision for we know that the time is short and there may not be much longer an opportunity to hear and answer the call for we know that the judgments will soon fall upon those who have neglected thy truth and spurned thy offer of salvation call them we beseech thee to baptism and obedience while there is yet time we thank thee that thou hast revealed to us thy purpose with this earth and man upon it and for the assurance that we need not suffer the fate of Adamic stock we pray for the peace of Jerusalem for until she is at peace there will be no peace in our hearts we are mindful of those who are on beds of sickness whether it be of mind or of body and we ask thee to let thy healing hand rest upon them thou the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in whom is no change nor shadow cast by turning and whom not having seen we love whom to know is life eternal grant us a humble place in thy kingdom 
and pardon us for the things which we ought to have done and have left undone and for those things which we have done which we ought never to have done hear us in heaven thy dwelling place and let thy blessing be upon us as we further wait upon thee we ask it in the name of Jesus and for his sake Amen it's not a bad prayer because it does express the feelings and the faith I think of all of us but I think it could be improved do you have a sense that it could be improved I mean it does tend to be wordy doesn't it and, and some of the phrases are well worn and very traditional that there were many petitions and many references some of the sentences were quite evidently designed to be expressed uh, to the visitors present rather than to God it was a kind of mini exhortation for the hesitating strangers it was certainly rather long especially for a public meeting on a Sunday night I hope nobody will be offended if I say that there are some things about it which could be left out or, or if they're not left out they, they could be changed I mean there really is no need for people who are ill always to be on beds of sickness nor always to refer to the world as the earth and man upon it you know what I mean there's no need for me to amplify this you know these stereotype phrases a prayer which is wordy and archaic phrases, many petitions, many references quite long is it suitable for the occasion? that's all I'm asking now let's look at a prayer which was eminently suitable for the occasion I bring you to Acts chapter 4 now brother president brother president would you do me a favour of reading again from verse 24 to 30 the prayer would you do that for me please yeah. and when they heard that they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said Lord thou art God which hath made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is who by the mouth of thy servant David hath said why did the heathen rage and the people imagine that they have the kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ for other truth against thy holy child Jesus who is now has to be glorious both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand of thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy spirit that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. Thank you. Well, now, what a, what a splendid prayer it is, isn't it? I mean, it, it, it begins with this reverent recognition of, of God as Lord and of heaven and earth and the creator of all things. It, 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 it starts with this wonderful sense of reverence to God. And then it quotes from Scripture, but to the point, not a recital of many passages, it gets to the point that they're praying about. It's quoting Psalm 2, as you know. And just in passing, it's a very interesting thing there that we believe rightly that Psalm 2 is yet to 
come to pass the day is coming when the heathens shall rage and the people will imagine a vain thing and they shall oppose Christ the Messiah we know that uh, but uh, they took that psalm and found a, an interpretation and an application to their own day it, it reveals the principle of duality that sometimes in the scripture something is twice tooth twice twice true sometimes thrice true it's a very interesting thing Dan, um, Acts Psalm 2 um, they're interpreted as taking place in their own day and then that they, the purpose of their quotation was to bring them to the request, the petition they're making that in the light of these things which had happened uh, would God beholding the threatenings grant unto his servants that with all boldness they may speak the word and he asked, they asked that he would give them power to heal and therefore support their work that they were about to do it's, a, it's to the point it's inspri inspiring it's reverent and altogether a, a, a good example I think of a public prayer and utterly suitable for the occasion now talking about being suitable for the occasion I am provoked now to say a few words about prayers at the breaking of bread service that is giving thanks for the emblems there is a proper way to do this in my opinion and it is sometimes disregarded first of all these prayers for the emblems should never be long then they should be always related to the particular emblem rightly first of all the prayer for the bread should give thanks for the body of Christ and the loving sacrifice which was made by the son when he offered his body on the cross the prayer for the wine should give thanks for the shed blood shed for the remission of sins and should always include a plea for pardon for our sins now the plea for pardon is the duty of the brother who gives thanks for the wine because the wine is related to the remission of sin it's the blood the plea for pardon then is always to be spoken in the prayer for giving thanks for the wine not by the brother who gives thanks for the bread now sometimes this procedure is ignored and the bread prayer has a strong plea for forgiveness and the poor brother who has to give thanks for the blood has been robbed of the main purpose of his prayer so I believe it's important that we should observe that procedure so that each prayer is related properly to the emblem to which it's attached now on Sundays in our services of course the main prayer is the prayer at the memorial service usually after the readings uh, this of course has to be a comprehensive prayer offering worship, thanksgiving, praise, seeking blessing and, and help and guidance it should remember the sick, the bereaved those in special need it should pray for the coming of the kingdom the return of the absent Lord the blessing of the ecclesia a prayer for the exhorting brother it should pray for those in authority for the chosen people it should thank God for his word and for the word made flesh and for the great atoning plan of redemption now you may say well, that's a lot of things but it needn't be long you don't have to make each plea a great long but you can state it simply and directly with reverence and with nice words if you can think of them uh, need not be very long 
um, but it must be comprehensive because it is the main prayer of the congregation on that day as a congregation let us always seek brethren and sisters to be quiet and reverent where we can try not to do anything to disturb the atmosphere of the peace and concentration of brethren and sisters when they're at prayer let the presiding brother speak his prayer with sufficient volume that's an important thing sufficient volume to enable the congregation to hear his words I've been at meetings where the voices are so quiet that you could never really hear what was being spoken to God on our behalf innovations may be alright in private prayer but I think great care is needed uh, about innovations in public prayer because you may by your novelty make it difficult for those who are listening and wanting to associate themselves with the prayer something irritates them or interferes with their serene contemplation of their heavenly father and their plea to him out of the honesty of their hearts innovation can sometimes disturb and irritate and spoil what could be a prayer of fellowship and peace I want to return now to the point made earlier that the chosen one delegated to speak the prayer for all endeavours to express the thoughts and the aspirations and the hopes of those for whom he speaks now we agree with this there is therefore or there should be a genuine affinity between the one who prays verbally and those who pray with him that is albeit silent but there comes a time when those who pray silently through the words of the one who prays audibly there comes a time when they associate themselves with his words and the point where his prayer becomes theirs in the truest sense is when they give the Amen to what he has spoken the Amen spoken by the one who prays the brother is praying is not saying to the congregation well now the prayer is over and you may carry on with the rest of the service he's not saying that it's not a sign that his prayer is finished and let's push on with it it is the opportunity for those who have invited their man to pray uh, for them it's their opportunity to give, to give their assent to what he has said by the Amen they, they join themselves to the prayer which has been offered on their behalf so the Amen is really saying so be it I join myself to what has been prayed for and may I urge you that just as the prayer's prayer has been spoken audibly so the congregation's Amen should be spoken audibly too when it is the one who has prayed audibly will know that his fellows his comrades in the faith have joined with him in his supplications and his worship I must tell you that it's a great sadness to me that in at meetings in England that I go to from time to time the Amen is so weak and so poor and so impoverished you can hardly hear anything and I do urge my comrades at Oxford consistently the campaign I wage a little campaign continuously let's have a good strong Amen <laughs> because it's important and I, I must say I was gratified in this assembly to notice that it was wasn't it was a good strong Amen and I, I must say I was very pleased to hear you say it one more point is this public prayer can sometimes be without life 
it, it can be cold and decorous and formal uh, in a way that robs it of its appeal and its inspiration so all of us all of us who have the business of praying in public let's try as far as we can let's pray with feeling pray with warmth pray with faith make it clear that you really believe what you are saying nothing is worse than to sound in your praying as if you are bored now I know you're not I know that I know you're not bored but to sound in your praying as if you are robs your prayer of a great deal if it gives the impression that you're bored your fellow's um, inspiration is diminished now if your voice if your voice sometimes trembles and mine sometimes does when I'm praying in prophet if it trembles don't worry don't worry about that God loves prayers which are fervent I come now to something which might be profitable to ponder in another direction and it's this quite a different subject sometimes in public prayer brethren pray directly to Jesus now I don't know whether they do in South Africa it's a waste of time in what I'm going to say isn't it but uh, you'd like to hear it what? Good. well um, in England they do in some places brethren in their public prayers not, not often but I've heard it they pray directly to Jesus as I say it may not happen often but when it does it can be a problem the first point is that if it is going to disturb the ascent and the tranquility of, of others then it doesn't help the unity of the prayer at all but allowing that to what extent is it theologically right uh, and ought anyone to engage in it publicly well now those who justify it do so on the grounds that there are in the New Testament prayers offered to Christ Jesus Christ specifically uh, the examples are I'll quote them to you 2 Corinthians 12 8 and 9 Paul says about his thorn in the flesh I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me and he said unto me my grace is sufficient for thee then there is in 1, 1 Timothy 1 12 Paul says I thank Jesus Christ our Lord who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful putting me into the ministry then there's then there's the case of Acts chapter 1 verse 24-25 the case of the apostles choosing a new apostle to replace Judas they prayed and said thou Lord which knoweth the hearts of all men show whether these two thou hast chosen that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship then other references are in Acts first the case of the martyrdom of Stephen Acts 759 Stephen called upon God saying Lord Jesus receive my spirit Paul on the Damascus road in Acts 9 when struck from his horse heard the voice of Jesus and he said who art thou Lord and the Lord said I am Jesus whom thou persecutest Peter on the rooftop in Acts chapter 10 waiting for his supper saw a vision and a voice said arise Peter kill and eat and Peter said not so Lord I have never eaten anything which is common or unclean now there are two other references in the Acts but they are both of Paul recounting his experience on the Damascus road and it's just a repetition of something which we've noticed already so that's the case 
Now my view of it tells me that all these incidents are very special and very personal and in some cases um, those concerned having been spoken to by Jesus had of necessity to reply to him. In the case of Stephen of course the response was to a vision of Christ. In the case of Peter again it was in response to a vision. In the case of the selection of a new apostle the need to ask for special guidance. It seems to me that the salient point is that all these cases were special cases peculiar to peculiar to um, unusual circumstances. I am personally not convinced that these cases are telling us that this is the normal procedure for later times, for all time. Because in the New Testament, prayers to Jesus, as we understand prayer, do not occur. As a regular, normal thing, they are quite definitely not to be found. Furthermore, the teaching of Jesus was that men should pray to the Father in heaven through the Son, through the name of Jesus. <coughs> this was to be the normal method of praying. Let me give you some examples. John 14, 13 and 14, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. John 15:16 Ye have not chosen me but I have chosen you and ordained ye ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever ye shall ask the father in my name he may give it to you John 16:23 And in that day ye shall ask me nothing verily verily I say unto you whatsoever ye shall ask the father in my name he will give it to you That seems to me to be pretty clear instruction about praying and it's, it, it is after all the counsel of Jesus himself people think if you don't pray to Jesus in some way you've dishonoured him but we honour him mostly we honour his name by doing what he says that's the way to honour Christ by doing his will and he, he did not say ask me and I will do it he said ask my father in my name and he will do it to say this is how we ought to pray it is not to dishonour the Son in any way, nor to seek to diminish in any way his glory. The great majority of brethren and sisters, as far as I know, hold this view of it, and therefore to introduce into public prayer what must therefore be an innovation is something, I think, which is not likely to benefit those who wish to say the Amen. What disciples do in private prayer about this is something, of course, which arises out of their own conviction and they must decide what they want to do but in this address we are concerned uh, as you know with public prayer very well now there's one last thing I want to say about it I want to stress I want to stress the part that public prayer public prayer plays in the quality of communal worship I think we must all have been conscious of this when prayer has in a wonderful way enhanced uh, the quality of that worship and also sadly when it has impaired it it does show what a serious thing it is to offer public prayer and indeed what 
an inspiring opportunity is gives to gather brethren together gather their minds and hearts your comrades in the faith present them before the Lord of the universe and when we think of the meaning of worship the essential feature of true worship and the essential element in the word worship is that of reverence there's no doubt of that the idea is that of prostration of walking out backwards of obeisance that's the meaning that is lurking in the word worship it's a reverent recognition of the utter superiority of our heavenly father it's an admission that the throne of God is the holy place of the universe and that in the presence of the throne men must bow and men must submit worship involves also a recognition that man is absolutely dependent upon God and that all things that men need are to be found in God it's a confession that all the needs of life are to be discovered and satisfied in the Lord God of heaven worship enforces on the mind of man that he is altogether incomplete and his life is utterly wasted in the real sense apart from his creator and his redeemer a sense of man's need and a sense of God's complete sufficiency is at the very heart of true worship the attitude of worship is the attitude of the subject bent the subject bent in the presence of the king or the attitude of the sheep following the shepherd and being content and satisfied with the pasture which the shepherd appoints so I'm stressing that it is this spirit of reverent worship which should inspire public prayer reverence and godly fear is the foundation of it I think in every way in our worship we should strive for that spirit of reverence and their prayers could point it out powerfully when we pray in public the words of prayer that tell of the greatness and the power of the creator as we saw in those men of the acts there for them told of the greatness and the power of the creator and the sustainer of all life the syllables of praise that tell of the goodness and the grace and the all sufficiency of the father towards those who are his children sentences which confess this in proportion as their life is abandoned to him we shall find bring peace and joy and the real spirit of worship so that's the thing I did want to stress most strongly but then the last thing the last thing about public prayer to remark on is this the discipline which it enforces upon us or the discipline it should enforce upon us now what I mean by that is this your brethren and sisters hear the words you speak and they will expect the words to be sincere that is what you speak will as far as possible correspond with how you are if it does not if your words do not correspond with how you are then there's a strong likelihood that the prayer will lose its impact as far as that particular assembly is concerned let me just, let me just illustrate what I mean if somebody says in his prayer what a wonderful privilege it is 
to be at the memorial service but the congregation knows he only comes when he's presiding then the words will seem very empty indeed or if I thank God in my public prayer for the wonderful blessing of his living word in the Bible but they know very well I hardly ever look at it and when it's being expounded at the Bible class I'm never there then my words are going to sound very empty indeed they will carry very little weight with your comrades do you see what I mean? the discipline the public prayer enforces on us it's a powerful force a very powerful force to make us instant upon being like we say we want to be in the prayer we pray it just emphasizes that sincerity is a vital element in the ministry of praying in public of course we all fall short of it of course we all always say nobler things than we're able to do of course we do. as I've said before their aspirations are always better than their achievements but allowing for that let's make sincerity a vital part of our public prayer let's recognise it and although we fall short of it let's take courage 